This morning, several of us will be sharing highlights from the Mennonite Convention two weeks ago, a gathering attended by some 3,000 people. And a highlight for me was a daily Bible study on the letter to the Ephesians, led by Tom Yoder Neufeld, a scholar, a biblical scholar and teacher from Canada. Tom helped me to see something brand new in this very old letter, something that I had long overlooked. As we just heard today in verse 10, God is gathering up all things in Christ. Our God is an in-gathering God. In Jesus, God has come to gather in all people who have long been scattered by all of our divisions of ethnicity and race and sexual orientation and class. God, Scripture tells us, is like a mother hen gathering in her little ones under her wings. Like a father gathering in his lost and returning son. And think about it. What a profound contrast with the message that we are hearing these days of go back to where you came from. And did you notice the circle of God's in-gathering even extends beyond all people to all things. Trees and birds, rivers and oceans and climates, no one and no thing is ever beyond the loving reach of our in-gathering God. And the church, us, we are the community where God's great in-gathering is meant to take place. The church is not a community without spot or wrinkle, but the messy place, the messy place where God is gathering us all in together for reconciliation and transformation. The place where we continue to move toward one another in love, where we continue to hang in there with each other. Not because we have chosen each other, but because in Christ God has chosen us. The church is God's messy peace project for mending and healing the cosmos. Tom led us in a call and response that was then often repeated again and again in our times of worship and in our workshops. The church is a mess. Thanks be to God. Let's say that together. The church is a mess.
again in your blue worship hymnal book, number six. Um, We will just sing verse one, and after Rhoda shares, we'll sing verse two. After Sue Groff sings or speaks, we will sing verse three, and then after Sue Shirk and Marlon Groff, verse four. So we're actually going to get to play a little bit up here this morning. So I'm going to need half of you over on this side up here on the step with me. And half of you come over on this side. All right. So we are actually, each group has a bunch of things to build with. And we are just going to try to build something as big and fun as we can. Okay? So that's what we're going to do for a little bit. So go ahead, see what you have, see what we can build.
you guys can keep working, but I'm just going to ask you a couple questions. So this group over here, how'd it go? Hard? Easy? Did you get something big? Yeah, you did get pretty tall there. As tall as you can get it. Was it hard to get it that tall or kind of easy? Kind of easy. Why was it easy? Do you know? Did you see what the other guys are building with? Why do you think yours was a little easier? <laughs> They're the same? Yeah, you had a good base. And all the things kind of fit together, didn't they? Yeah. What about you guys? How'd the building go? Bad. <laughs> Did you get something tall? Not really. Why was it so hard? They got something really tall. You don't have flat surfaces. They don't really fit together very well. No, not at all. Nope. That's sometimes how it feels being in the church. We don't really feel like we fit. Or maybe we think somebody else doesn't fit. Maybe we wish we were all like this and we could just fit together. It'd be a little easier, wouldn't it? Do you wish you were on that side? Yeah. That side was easier. But we don't always get to choose what we work with. Sometimes we got to figure things out and make room for the things that look like they don't fit. <laughs> and sometimes it's a mess. All right. Thank you very much, guys. You can leave your creations up here. We'll remind the adults of this throughout the morning. didn't realize how well this would follow. Our five-year-old granddaughter, at least the age I'm talking about at the moment, our five-year-old granddaughter attended the children's program at convention. To enter the children's space on the lower level, she needed to ride a steep and intimidating escalator. The first morning, she approached it with caution. But after discovering a wonderful community of friends there, she approached the escalator that afternoon with determination to master the balance that it took to return to them. She took a deep breath, adjusted her posture, and bravely stepped out. Navigating MenoCon 2019 demanded similar adjustments from all of us. Determination to breathe deeply and courage to step beyond our comfort zones and hear new viewpoints. 
This week, Tim Nafsinger wrote this in his blog with the Mennonite. For me, participating in the evolution of the church at convention strengthens my sense of connection with the wider Mennonite church. In our individualistic culture, it is critical that we shape our imaginations around collective values and life ways led by the Spirit. Conventions are a space for cross-pollination and connection in the exhibit hall, workshops, and and worship gatherings We hear new ideas, and the Spirit moves us. During worship, Pastor Megan Larissa Good of Scottsdale, Arizona, spoke about the importance of breathing consciously. Breathing, she said, is our connection with God, who breathed life into creation. In the Jewish tradition, many people believe that the Old Testament personal name for God, Yahweh, is the sound of breath going in and out of our lungs. Yahweh. Every breath we take is a testimony to the one who breathed life into humanity and sustains life. She spoke of how we can become so busy in the church that we forget to breathe in the fresh oscillations of the Holy Spirit. We get into our boxes with no windows, and end up breathing each other's CO2. We don't function well, fueled by our own steam. A practical way that the denomination is posturing itself to breathe in fresh air is through a bylaw change giving congregations opportunity, in addition to their adult delegates, to appoint youth delegates to the next convention in Cincinnati, Ohio. Youth delegates ages 16 through 21 were present at this convention and in the delegate body, but had no voting privilege. They will have that privilege at convention 2021. In ending, more phrases from Megan Good. By remembering to breathe, we acknowledge that this is not our story. We are not the main characters. This is God's story. And our main task is to breathe in the living breath of God. Verse 3 after I share. (laughs) I'm going to share about uh, the youth who were part of the convention. Um, I was excited about them. So I wanted to share a little bit. And I don't know the specific number of of youth relative to the overall convention, but I think they made up the majority of the participants who were there. And um, to me, they stood out in many different ways. The first one I'll share is how they stood out in the worship service. Um, They brought with them a lot of energy to the worship services that I think was contagious. Because uh, I saw some of the adults, you know, shaking and, and, and moving around to, along with the singings. So uh, the young people brought them along with them. I saw them having fun together. They were engaged with each other. They didn't come just to have fun, but to, to learn about the church. But they did have fun together when I saw them. They also 
had with them an awareness of the issues facing our church today, and they showed it in their engagement in the different workshops dealing with those issues. I remember going to the first workshop I went to, which was about gun violence. And uh, a couple of us were in there getting the, the table set up, and all of a sudden, a, a, a crowd of young people started coming in to, to uh, talk about gun violence. Uh, not only did they come in and sit down, but they overflowed the room along with, with the adults. And a lot of the adults had to either stand up. Uh, some of the people were sitting around the edges of the room, and uh, the young people came in interested in the issue of gun violence and the issues that it creates for us. What I liked is that they asked great questions. They didn't just come in and, and sit down and, and listen to somebody else talk. They really wanted to, to understand what's happening. Uh, they participated in small group discussions uh, about the gun violence, and then some of them, many of them, stayed afterwards to find out more about it. They're interested in some of the issues that we face. They also know about the divisions in our society and in our churches and came to a workshop on conflict resolution where they learned about ways to deal with conflict uh, in a manner that respects other people. That's a vital issue for our church. How do we talk to each other? And the young people understand that. So they came and they wanted to learn. In both of these cases, our young people asked good questions and reflected an awareness and interest in doing something about it. I came away from the convention and those experiences feeling good about our young people in the church and also feeling good about their place in building our future. I think we'll be in good hands with the young people who are part of our church today. For me, convention was visible unity among visible differences. Jesus already referenced the singing by the thousand-plus youth. The worship leaders and music team were predominantly persons of color. Name tags reflected heritage far beyond a Swiss-German background. 
LGBTQ sisters and brothers and hundreds of supporters wore yellow, wore rainbow-colored badge lanyards and led in singing and engaging in invitational singing after delegate sessions and joined in the worship. Indeed, the future church was at hand, and it was good. Leonard Dow presented a powerful message on the Holy Spirit. I'm not about to try to condense 45 minutes of Leonard Dow into 200 words. So I hope my sharing will entice you to listen and study his message via the link that was provided on this past week on the online East Chestnut Street News. After Jesus' death, the disciples were afraid and disoriented when they thought what was going to happen in Christ didn't happen. The political situation was worse than before. Their leaders had died. Occupation continued. They were afraid and together, but behind locked doors. When the Holy Spirit came, suddenly... They realized that individually and corporately, they needed Jesus more than ever before if they were going to live in a complex nation-state. They didn't implode, but allowed themselves to be interrupted, unsettled, suddenly, by the Holy Spirit. Today, the hounds of hell nip at our collective souls through fear an unchecked rage against those with whom we disagree, dividing us in what was is an appropriate response to the daily barrage of urban violence and national dysfunction, and by an invasion in our church of disagreements theologically, politically, or socially. The church struggles to go beyond safe solutions and safe relationships with those we knew and with those we agree with. We hurt each other. Ezekiel 37 was a valley of dry bones, like ours, when dreams, democracy, faith, or denominations fail us. We wonder, can we ever live again? Not to go back, but how do we go forward in Christ in new ways we never imagined? We were challenged to welcome the sudden unsettledness of the Holy Spirit. Acknowledge that the world's grief is real, but not to be overwhelmed. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. To hold on and receive assurance that the Spirit of the Lord is upon you and upon all of us. Leonard closed by exhorting, Church, let us hold on to God and hold on to one another, because I still believe and know the same Spirit of God that suddenly breathed on the dry bones of Ezekiel is here with us. Hold on to God. Hold on to each other. We're going to make it. 
because the Spirit of God will change things suddenly. I'd like to tell you a little bit about Voices Together, Uh, but I'm going to need a little bit of help to illustrate sort of the timeline of the last number of years, actually 50 years, of hymnals in the Mennonite Church. So Sue Groff, if you would stand over by the piano with the red Mennonite hymnal. This hymnal came out in 1969, and this week we know that also was the year of the moon landing. Uh, It was a year that Sue was in junior high. Uh, Marlon was just starting, ready to start high school at Lancaster Mennonite School. And I remember the first chapel, we pulled out these new hymnals and we started singing hymns that were really new to me. But we were seated alphabetically, and so there, were, there, there was a junior girl on my left and a senior girl on my right, and they knew these songs so well. And I just I remember so strikingly how I was really ready uh, to bring this hymnal uh, into my life and into my congregation. Um, so, 23 years later, the blue hymnal... Stand right here, Jesus. This hymnal came out in 1992. Um, It was put together by a joint group of Church of the Brethren and Mennonite. Uh, It was a time right when there was a proliferation of new contemporary hymns. So it didn't take too long until a few years later we needed to also add Sing the Journey. So Sing the Journey would stand right here. And two years later, Sing the Story. So between this is one of the things that was new to me, that in the, in the 1990s and 2000s, uh, the, the, number, the amount of church music had just really exploded. Um, now we go 28 years. Todd. Twenty-eight years uh, since these supplements were ready for a new hymnal. Voices together. So, I attended a seminar and also hymn sing where we uh, were introduced to a number of these. Uh, the committee was there who had been working on it. Uh, one of the things that was mentioned was that um, there's there's what we call. Contemporary hymns, these are new hymns that have new lyrics and updated language that are really appropriate uh, for who we are uh, today and the language that we use. But then there's also what's called contemporary worship music. And that's used a lot in in our churches uh, with projections and um, used a lot in youth conventions. 
But Ben Berge said there's, these lines are really getting blurred now, that there's a blurring, and he, he thinks it's a good thing. And I had to think a little bit about that, uh, that is, it's how it's blurring and how that's a good thing. You may have seats now. Uh, this uh, Voices Together will be available five different ways. There will be a uh, bound pew edition. Uh, there will be an accompaniment edition. There will, there will be a worship leader edition. Uh, there will be a projection edition. And, uh, and that can be purchased with just the words or it can be purchased with the words and the music. And then there will be an app edition. So I enjoyed all the questions then that people had uh, to ask the committee. Uh, one of the questions was, will there be supplements? <laughs> and the answer is, not at this point. This, this new one is going to be 800 selections, up from 650, which is in, in your blue hymnal. How do you get another 150 hymns in? And it's, they're saying it's because of the new paper technology, that the paper will be thinner but also more dense. Um, the other question was, um, will 606, which was the red hymnal, uh, praise God from whom all blessings flow, became 118 then in the blue hymnal, but it's still referred to as 606. So the question was, can we finally get 606 back in, <laughs> back in here? And the answer was, probably not. Uh, it'll, it'll be, it will be organized according to gathering and praising and reconciling. And, uh, and then uh, Ben Berge went on to say, you know, when they put the 606 in the red hymnal, they had no idea it would become what it became. They put it, do you know where the section it's in, it's called choral hymns. They put it in there thinking that, you know, some obscure church choir might try to sing this sometime. <laughs> and what a surprise. 